Yo, I, I always love the story of Gandhi, right? So if you didn't know, Gandhi is this OG out of India. You know what I'm saying? He's famous for doing some Indian stuff. I, I can't remember what they are at the moment. Um, I don't think he was the one in jail or maybe he was the one in jail. You know what? Let me let me study this real quick. Uh, Gandhi, uh, famous for a nonviolent resistance to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. Turn inspired movements for civil rights. Basically, he was that man in India. OK, is an Indian lawyer and he's an OG. We all know his name, even if we don't know what he did. I'm sorry, this is an uneducated investor podcast. You came here for education? Nah, fam, that's not how it's going to go here, okay? Uneducated. That's how we go. We do it strong, all right? And this one story from Gandhi was so dope. I love it. I remember it goes like this, right? So there's this shoddy, bad, big booty, great hair. All her edges are straight intact, acrylic nails, right? She has this bad little you. She gave him spankings, gave him timeouts, but this kid loves sugar, man. He cannot stop eating, right? So this bad shoddy, you know, she looks good, high heels. She has a little kid. She takes him to Gandhi because Gandhi's that OG. And she's like, hey, yo, Gandhi. He's like, yo, what's up, fam? The girl's like, yo, can you tell my little bad little kid my bad you to stop eating sugar. Gandhi looks at her, looks at that kid and says, bring that little devil next week. She waits a week, brings the kid back, says Gandhi, hey, yo, Gandhi, can you help me now? Gandhi looks that kid right in his little chubby cheek face, right in the little chipmunk face, right, right in his little Alvin and the chipmunk face and says, hey, yo, kid, stop eating sugar. Shadi looks at Gandhi. She's like, that's it? And Gandhi says, yeah, that's it. And she's like, yo, why did that take a week? Gandhi looks at that shoddy, first looks at that big badonk behind her, then looks at that shoddy's face and says, because for me to tell him not to eat sugar, I had to first not eat sugar myself. Boom. You see, a lot of times in life, we give advice that we don't take. You know, we do things that don't take. Hey, don't eat fast food. Go to the gym to get in shape. Meanwhile, you haven't seen a six back since sixth grade. Um, we do this all the time, especially parents with children, um, you know, friends. We tell friends don't drink when we drink all the time. It's a generous. It's a human condition. It's what we do. Um, this is one of those times, guys. This is one of those times where, you know, I give advice that may differ from what I actually do. And that's just what I do. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Um, you know, I studied finance. I just studied in school. I also am enrolled in the CFA program. And what they teach you is all about being a fiduciary responsibly. <laughs> Did I just butcher that word? Being a fiduciary and being responsible and, you know, knowing your you know clients' risk preferences and all that jazz. So there's advice that I give that I don't necessarily take. And one of the best advice that I give that you need to follow to a T, especially if you're starting investing, is you want to invest in passive index funds, ETFs, these tax-efficient, diversified vehicles where you basically buy this index 
like SPY, like SPHD, like QQQ, you buy one of these indexes and for buying that one index that costs like $50 or $100, depending on which one you buy, or $300, for that one index, you get access to 300 or 400 or 500 or 100 different companies. You get a little piece of the American economy. Gorgeous. It's solved investing and literally any investor can have the access of a mutual fund without the fees by buying an ETF. It's the literal greatest invention of the 21st century, and it lets anyone who wants to invest put whatever money in the market without them even thinking and get access to that 7 to 10% return that they can expect on average when they invest in these indexes. Genius. However, as an investor, I personally am getting to the point where I am no longer buying index funds. And this is a mix of two things. <clears throat> the first is, as you know, this isn't like, you know, probably my fifth year looking at the stock market, my third one when I actually have money, you know. Um, of course, you know, I just, you know, graduated school around like 2015. So, like, you know, still in my 20s. So because of that, you know, I actually have money now. I pay down my student debt. I have my finances in check. Um, I can actually invest. And that's the first reason. And since I've been investing like three years with actual like real hard money, you know, in the tens of thousands, right? Um, because of that, now I can afford individual companies. Um, I can afford to buy those. And I've gotten a bit of hack of a knack and more experience on when to buy stocks versus when to buy indexes. Um, the second reason is I see this thing called the index bubble kind of happening. And if you ever watched The Big Short, one of the greatest finance movies of all time, talking about how 2008 happened, you'll see that it's around this one guy, Michael Burry, who actually predicted The Big Short. He's featured in the film. He has Batman playing him. I mean, Christian Bale playing him. Um, <clears throat> And he's notorious for short selling. Currently in his portfolio, you can all see it online on what he invests in. He likes to invest in water. He likes GameStop. And he specifically talks about how there's going to be an index bubble. And a lot of people have been scratching their heads and like really wondering, like, what does he really mean by the index bubble? What was really happening? And I'm going to tell you my interpretation of what I think index bubble I see is happening. In the market right now, crazy things are happening in these indexes. We've seen Amazon and Netflix, Facebook, and Apple explode in valuation. And we've seen companies like Carnival Cruise Line, like these big airliners. We've seen these healthcare companies. We've seen these senior house livings. We've seen these REITs basically stay at their near lows. With this big basically wealth gap in companies, the market capitalization of a lot of these indexes has changed to the point where the top 10 holdings are basically the whole index. You know, in the NASDAQ's case, the top five companies are like 30% of the company. And in SP, the S&P 500, we're supposed to be 500 different companies. The top five companies are 20% of the index so you're saying that five companies are 20 percent of the index 
and 495 companies are the rest? Does that really say diversification to you? And these five companies are highly uh, correlated. Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon. When they go up, one goes up, the others usually follow. When one goes down, the others usually follow. There's barely any like company specific times where like an announcement for Apple doesn't in a sense correlate to like Amazon doing relatively similar within the same quarter. They're very highly correlated. And why this doesn't mean indexes are terrible, it does mean that there's going to be increased volatility um, in indexes in the next decade from 2020 to 2030. And that's because they're assuming a lot of the volatility from these top five companies. So that's 7% probably still going to be accurate. Maybe it's going to be 10%. Maybe it's going to be 5%. But we're going to see instead of like, you know, maybe before it was between like 15% and 0% in the year or 16% and 0% in the year of what the expected return is. Now we're going to see some years where the market goes down negative 10%, negative 20%. It goes up at plus 30%, plus 40%. We're going to see some crazy corrections and crazy runs in the S&P 500 because these companies make up such a big portion. And because of that, this next 10 years, I think active management is going to shine. Now, if you remember your university or high school class where they were talking about stocks, they brought up this concept called the efficient market hypothesis. Essentially, this means that the market is always perfectly, the market has perfect information and it's always perfectly priced because we have access to all information. Now, if your teacher taught you that and believed it, they never really invested a day in their life. They just bought index funds or bought mutual funds and called it a day. But there's a rare 10% of people who can beat the market. And I think active managers are going to outperform. Now, I don't mean like the active manager, you know, you go to your JP Morgan or you go to like Fidelity or one of these places and they like have access to these like portfolios that have like super strict requirements of what can be in there. I'm talking about two stocks that I'll give you right now for free that I think are going to severely outperform. The first one, BRK.B. This is Warren Buffett's company. Um, this is Warren Buffett's basically philosophy. They're, this index is definitely going to outperform. Sorry, this stock is definitely going to outperform in the next 10 years. Warren Buffett traditionally invests in finance companies, but as new blood gets into his organization, he's opening up to more of Apple and to more of companies like Amazon. And I think it's so clear, it's so obvious that they're going to outperform in the next 10 years as they pick companies um, at great times and great prices. Second company is ARK, ticker symbol ARKK. It's run by Kathy Woods, the OG gangster. Um, so obvious they're going to outperform. Kathy Woods is one of the only um, hedge fund managers who predicted Tesla's massive explosion. She literally has a stock price prediction for Tesla of 7,000. 7,000. You know how insane that is? That would make Tesla literally bigger than Amazon right now. That would make Tesla around the size of Apple. She's predicting Tesla will be a top five company. And you know what? I can never doubt her because she predicted this run up now. Her base case scenario for Tesla in five years 
last year when Tesla was only a $200 stock price, her base case scenario is 1500 that Tesla would 5x in like five years. The same Tesla who could barely be profitable, the same Tesla who is always facing um, pressures when it comes to regulatory stuff. This is that Tesla. And now it's already past its, uh, sorry, its uh, worst case scenario of 1500 in five years. Her worst case scenario is 5x, and now it's on pace to 7,000. These are two funds that I think are going to literally take over the market. And I think the index bubble is going to create great opportunities for active management. So as investors, I think the more we learn about investing and the markets, the more it's going to reap the benefits in the future. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. Let me know what you think. Do you think the index bubble is overblown? Do you think it's a myth? Or do you think we're all going to die from terrible corona death or a terrible index bubble explosion? Let me know on Twitter. My name is FlyStu. That's at FlyStu on Twitter. And we, Flight Crew, have to take off the Uneducated Investor Podcast. Yeah.